Welcome to the Transformational Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Anam. My mission is to help you lead more effectively and be an agent of positive change in times of disruption. On this podcast, we interview practitioners and leadership experts and have coaching exercises that you can apply immediately to your work challenges. Together, we learn how to achieve success and create workplaces in a world that work better for all. I am so excited today to welcome Charlene Lee. Charlene is somebody who I've been following for a few years and I'm so inspired by her work. For the last two decades, Charlene Lee has been helping people see the future. She's the author of six books, including the New York Times bestseller, Open Leadership, and the co-author of the critically acclaimed book, Groundswell. Her latest book is the bestseller, The Disruption Mindset. She founded Altimeter Group, an analyst firm that was acquired in 2015 by Profit. Named by Fast Company as one of the most creative people in the business, Charlene is an expert on digital transformation. Welcome, Charlene. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for having me. So you just recently came out with this book called The Disruption Mindset. And then we had this disruption happen. So you've got a crystal ball going, Charlene. What's up? Am I going to win the lottery soon? Tell me. I, I had no idea that this was going to happen. I mean, who, who could have ever imagined we'd be sitting here in the middle of a pandemic? My sense is that disruption is always around us. And so it's not a matter of, you know, how are we going to prepare for when it comes? It is here. It is always here. And so how do you thrive with it? How do you think about this and develop a mindset that says this is the normal way to deal with, deal with things? And what I have seen uh, with the pandemic is that the organizations who are already prepared are doing so incredibly well. They were more prepared because they expected disruptions to come along the way. So that, that was my main thing. It's just like, how do you take on this disruption mindset versus a status quo mindset? And how do you change your strategy, your leadership, and your culture accordingly? So tell us, what are the most relevant lessons or themes in the book that would be important for leaders who are listening to this podcast? I think the most important one is that you've got to be focused on your future, on the future customers and what their needs are, and especially now. Because if you assume that your customers are the same as they were before this crisis hit, you're, you're not going to be meeting their needs very well. So it's the hardest thing to do is to not focus on your customers of today. You've got to execute and meet those needs, but to orient everything in your organization towards who your future customers are, understanding their needs and developing your products and services to meet them in that future. Because if you just continue just focusing on today, you'll never make the investments, these super important investments to focus on the future. And the number one reason why people do not do this is because they don't know what the future is going to look like. But that's not a reason to stop. That's not yeah. a reason to, to try to figure out what that future looks like. So, so tell us a little bit about when the future is so unclear, right? In this environment, there is so much unpredictability and ambiguity. What are the sets of tools or practices that a leader can look at to say, ah, here's a great way for me to sit down and figure out what the future is gonna look like. One of my favorite tools is scenario planning. 
And that says, I don't know what the future could look like, but here are different scenarios, here are different options. And as I gather more and more data, as I get better at understanding what their future looks like, as it unfolds and triggers happen that indicate that one scenario is happening versus the other, I will be prepared. But what that says is, because I don't know which of these three or four scenarios are going to happen, I'm going to develop really robust, deep scenarios for every single one of them. And then figure out what are my no regret moves within each of those things and, and execute on those. And as I get more data, as I get more information, as we move along in time, one of these four paths is going to unfold for me. And that's the key thing with customers. I don't know exactly which way they're going to go. I'm not pinning my hopes on only one, but I have a general idea it's going to be in this direction. I'm really curious about who is a company or maybe a set of leaders that you really admire during this time? Who is doing it right? I really admire what Microsoft is doing right now. I mean, they very early on pulled everyone back. They could see what was happening on a global basis and just pulled out of everything at the end of February, early March. And just went, yeah, everyone else is kind of sticking with things, hoping that things won't get bad. They just pulled everyone out. They pulled all the people back, went to stay at home, just kept everybody safe. And they started focusing on what are we going to have to provide to the companies to support them because we're basic infrastructure for people. So really started looking at all the teams and everything else that they were doing that would be really essential for people. And then reaching out constantly with their sales teams and account managers to the top companies to say, this is how we can help you transition to shelter in place. I mean, just really well done, really well executed at a global level. Beautiful. I so admire how Satya Nadella thinks about his business, how he has led in this time with his employees, how he has managed stakeholders. It's been really remarkable to see. So one thing. I know that a lot of leaders are looking for, they're looking for a normal, right? That they can go back to, or at least pin their hopes on and some sense of stability. What's your sense of what leaders can expect? And you talk about mindset, right? And mindset is a set of beliefs and, and values. So what are the mindsets that will really serve us in times of disruption? And what are mindsets that we absolutely need to let go of? Yeah. I think that the, the three mindsets and beliefs I talk about that are very important are openness, um, agency, and a bias for action. These are beliefs that I find common across every disruptive organization. And they show up in many different ways, but what I love is openness in particular says, we're going to share more information. We're going to make it very clear how we make decisions so that everybody is on the same page because that's the only way you build trust. You build accountability and then you can build speed because this is all about speed, but not speed at the sacrifice of, of good process, good structure, making sure everyone's on the same page. What was fascinating to me in my research is that disruptive organizations are incredibly well-run. They're incredibly well-structured, not chaotic places because they have openness and they've mm. really invested in infrastructure and processes and rituals that ensure that people stay open. Yes. And so what are some important rituals as it relates to communication, for example? One of the key things is you write everything down. Everything is documented. You don't assume that just because you said something to somebody that it's clear. You write it down. You're really clear about when deadlines are going to be. And you have certain processes. 
one of my favorite things at Amazon is that any sort of new initiative follows the same process. They write a press release from the future, and then they write a six-page FAQ, and they constantly refine this. It is a structure and model that they use across the entire business. Wow. So you cannot deviate across that. You just It's the same exact process. But what's great about that is because everybody knows this is the process, they don't have to worry about the process. They just focus on making it the best possible proposal. So you said there are three things from a mindset perspective, and I want to come back to that. So the first thing you talked about is openness. What was the second thing? It's agency. And this is where you treat all of your employees, and I want to put quotes around employees and and an emphasis there, but you treat them like owners. And so because they understand everything that's happening with openness, they're able to make decisions and take actions and act like an owner because they know what the strategy is. They understand what's going on. One of my activities when I start working with an organization is I get permission to walk around their offices for an hour. Like, just let me walk around, give me a map where everyone sits and I'll be back. And they're like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to ask? And I always ask the same questions. I ask people, what's your strategy? And then I ask them, Uh, Do you know who your future customers are? Do you know who your customers are, who you're trying to serve? And then show me your dashboard. Show me how you define your success. Mm. Because it tells you so much. Do they know what the strategy is? And do they know what the role is in it? Do they know who they're working for? The customer, not the company, but the customer. And then finally, how do you measure your success? And do you understand, again, how that ties into things? And if your customer isn't on that board or some representation on it, then you have some problems. And I go back to the, the leadership and I go, well, well, look, at this is what I found. No one knows what your strategy is. They have 18 different customers that you're trying to serve and the dashboards don't make any sense. They're all retrospective versus future facing. Let's talk about how we can align this organization in a much better way. And again, disruptive organizations know exactly where they're going. They know exactly who they're trying to serve. And they're all aligned and pulling for the same exact outcomes. Yeah. And so talk about a future-focused dashboard. How is that different from a uh, past-focused dashboard? I was talking to one CEO, and I said, ask him, what's in your upper left-hand corner? And he kind of put his head in his hands, and he said, inventory turns. You know, it's inventory terms because they were making a product. So he wanted to see how fast his inventory was turning. Mm. He just goes, that's absolutely the wrong thing I should be paying attention to. And they go, well, how do you think about your customers? How do you think about the relationship with them? And I had a chance to look at Mark Zuckerberg's dashboard from a couple of years ago. This is back in 2010, so 10 years ago. In the first column were all their people across all the different websites and things. In the second column were all the mobile users. And this is 2010. This is three years before they really came up with a a coherent mobile strategy. But even back then, he was really trying to understand who these customers were on the mobile web. They Mm. didn't have an app at that point. It was like mobile web on things like BlackBerry. It was on the list there. And everybody could see his dashboard inside of Facebook. You know, it it influences people. It's like, oh, if our CEO is focused on mobile users, maybe we should be too. That is so beautiful. Like this notion of sharing uh, the CEO openly sharing his dashboard with here. Like, here's the thing that I look at everybody every day. It's got this sense of really focusing everybody on what's important, right? What's important to the CEO? What's important to our 
um, organization. It goes back to your point around walking around and making clear to everybody what's the strategy of the organization and how will we measure success. Yeah, I, I love this whole idea of walk management by walking around, right? Because you can use this align people. But what management by walking around is you're listening in a much better way. You're getting out of your office and you're explaining and you're also listening. But we can do this in a digital fashion. And this is the big difference of what allows organizations to be disruptive now versus five or 10 years ago. We can now do this digitally and we can do this constantly and instantaneously. I can tell based on my digital dashboards whether people are doing these things. Are they actually focusing on customers? Are they using the right metrics or not? We can change culture very quickly by simply understanding whether behaviors are changing or not because, of a, because so much of work is digital now. Mm. And yet we act as if we're still functioning in an analog world where we go, we should be doing things differently. We think about things differently. And then we survey things in two months to see if anything has changed. Like, no, you should be able to see in two hours if anything has changed. Yes, I love that. This, um, this sort of, you know, rapid, uh, you know, pulse of what's happening in the organization. So you said openness, you said agency, and what was the third thing? A bias for action. So if your customers are moving away from you, faster and faster. Everything has to be oriented towards that. And, and this is not being agile because you can be agile and not have a bias for action. This is really saying you keep your customers at the center of everything you, you, that you do. And so you want to go and take a decision. You're not going to wait until things are perfect. I, I, I didn't have this in the original version of the book and I put it in the new preface. This whole concept of minimally viable data, that you figure out what's the minimum amount of information that you need to make a decision. And then once you get that, that most important piece of data that you were talking about, for example, the most important things, then you have confidence that one option is a little bit better than the other, then you go for it. Mm. Because once you go for it, you can realize you get so much more information, you get so much more data to tell you whether it was right or not. And if it wasn't, then you can come back the reality is like 99.9% .9 of our decisions that we make as leaders and as organizations, it's reversible. Mm. Yes. You have to be able to put your ego aside to say, that didn't work. Let's go back and try something else. And that there right in, like right there is the key, right? You have to be able to put your ego aside. So I, I love this notion of um, openness. You talked about agency and then bias for action. So we know that a vast majority of digital transformations fail, right? What is at the root of it, at least based on what I've read, is the fact that human beings have a hard time changing. There's a lot of resistance to change. It's usually not the technology that doesn't work. It's that humans have a hard time adopting change. Talk to us about what advice do you have for leaders during this time of disruption around creating change within themselves and helping their teams be more agile? Again, to your point, digital transformation has focused so much on the digital part and not on the transformation part. I think, again, going back into this really uncertain world um, with COVID, 
the biggest issue is understanding the emotional impact, the amount of strength we're going to have to have and put into this. And in so many ways, we're drawing away from that. We're focusing on the logistics of how do we move into back into our office of safety and security? How do we make sure everything is scrubbed and clean? And we're not thinking about, well, even if we scrub everything and clean everything, are people still going to feel safe? How do we help them feel safe? It is not about having more wipes out there. It, It is about defining how are we going to relate to each other? How are we going to build trust when we can't stand next to each other? How are we going to build trust with complete and total strangers? I feel totally safe in my house right now. Why on earth would I ever leave it? Yes. We're not dealing with that part. Focusing again on the number one thing that Mm -hmm. we never quite get to, which is how are we going to talk about our relationships? How do we think about relationships? And how do we start crafting and in our communications, in our conversations with people? to build that trust again, to define what that relationship is going to look like. Leadership is simply a relationship between people who aspire to lead and create change and people who are inspired to follow them. I love that. Can you repeat that? I just love it. It's not from me. It's from Jim Cousins and Barry Posner from a classic book called The Leadership Challenge. And, And leadership is simply a relationship between people who aspire to lead and create change and people who are inspired to follow them. Yeah. And I I so believe that because if you think about the best leaders we've ever had the privilege to work with, we don't necessarily think about what they did. We think about how they made us feel. And what we're trying to replicate in our own leadership is to recreate that relationship. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And in in my book, one of the things uh, in Wired for Disruption, one of the things I talk about is trust agility and the fact that we have to be willing to trust first in order to lead people. And we have to remove, take accountability, personal accountability for removing trust gaps. So I want to flip a little bit now to this notion that there will be millions of jobs disrupted around the world here, right? There's so many people who are unemployed, people that are furloughed, people that are even anxious about future jobs and opportunities for them as organizations change and shift business models. What advice do you have for them in terms of what mindsets need to shift for them to disrupt themselves? Yeah, I just recently did a session with, um, for a group that was doing uh, a summit for people who were, were displaced and looking for jobs and opportunities. And the, the biggest advice I have is instead of going into a company and saying, this is what I do. Go into there and saying, this is how I can help you. This is how I want to serve. Because they are trying to answer the question, how can you help me? Are you going to be a great team member? Are you going to lift people up rather than tear them down? Are you going to help make this a great workplace? Are you going to be standing side by side with people and supporting them? Not only just in your day-to-day duties, but going the extra mile. So if you can say, this is how I see myself playing a role on this team, this is how I can help and serve. I think the best thing that someone can do, waking up every single day, and this is what I started doing recently, because I have a pretty strong idea what my mission and purpose is, which is to help leaders thrive with disruption. 
Hmm. But instead of introducing myself now, so what do you do? People ask me, what do you do? Like, oh, you know, I'm an analyst. I write books. I, I start with my purpose statement, right? Yeah, um, I think that's so beautiful because in a way, really getting connected to your purpose statement helps you have agency, right? Which helps you be more agile because you're no longer a victim of the circumstances and all of this disruption that's happening around you. Now you're kind of the author of your own story and you're saying, this is how I'm going to be part of disruption. You know, here's how I'm going to impact a change or be part of a change mm -hmm. that is happening around me. I love that, that notion of purpose again what your purpose is because I think it's so powerful yeah my purpose is to help leaders thrive with disruption and you just say that and people go tell me more right yeah. they're kind of curious about this and so when you are presenting yourself you're writing a letter to a potential hirer you're showing up at the interview when you show up with a strong sense of how you were served this is my sense of service to the world you will come across completely different. You will come off with such power and confidence that they're going to like, tell me more. Yes. That's exactly what you want to have people do. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I want to actually read from one of my favorite quotes from your uh, book, The Disruption Mindset. There will be times when the way forward will be illuminated by what feels like a pen light in the dark night. There will be times when you will doubt the course you have chosen. And there will be times when the entire world seems aligned against you. Use these setbacks as opportunities to learn. Your vision of the future will provide you with the solace, inspiration, and strength to continue. Never cease believing that what you're doing is worth the pain and confusion that is the natural course of disruption. That is so beautifully written. Um, Charlene, I think you could be, you could have been a poet <laughs> in my view, because uh, what you're talking about in terms of being purposeful and finding that which inspires you. And in my book, I talk about it from the perspective of being a force for good in disruption, whatever that means to you and however you define it. I think that is so powerful around connecting with purpose. So Charlene, how can people learn more about you and your work? How can they connect with you? Yeah, you can come to my website, charlinglee.com. And I, I'm on pretty much every single social platform. So that's a great place to connect. And we can have conversations there too as well. And I also have a new community that I've created called Quantum Networks. And it's a place where we created for disruptors to come together. And it's to support them to become the best possible disruptive leaders. Uh, because I think we need this. We, we need more, more successful, more confident leaders because we have a huge amount of change. And you write so eloquently about how we need to build up people uh, and build up our abilities and our mindsets uh, to be able to be the best disruptive leaders. So thank you for your work. It's, it's fantastic. Your new book is so exciting. Oh, I'm looking forward to uh, partnering with more with you, Charlene. And would you tell everybody about the free updated ebook that you've got and where they can find it? Yes, I figured, you know, this book could be potentially helpful during these tough times. So you can find it at bit.ly, so bit.ly slash free dash disruption dash book. So it's pretty straightforward. I think you're going to link to it. But uh, I hope that it helps um, people figure out um, a path forward for them. 
Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you for being one of those shining lights uh, for us, Charlene, as we all navigate these times of disruption. I think your purpose is so much needed in this world today to help leaders really find the way. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. This is your host, Hannah Anam. Please rate, comment, and share our podcasts with those you care about. Be the leader who helps others grow and thrive in times of disruption. You can visit our website at www.transformleaders.tv. There, you'll find other great tools to grow your leadership and be a force for good in these times. Until the next time, my friends.